0: Well, let me say happy Mother's Day to all you moms. It's exciting to be able to spend this uh, time together this morning. Those of you that are watching online, man, we love having you guys every single week. One of the highlights of our week is getting some emails from you guys and being able to interact with you that way. So that is really fun. Those of you at Buchanan, uh, good morning to you. You know, today uh, obviously it's Mother's Day, so we thought what we do. And we're in the middle of a series through Hebrews, and so the thought was we would just uh, stop working through Hebrews, and we would just kind of have a Mother's Day message because nobody knows the heart of a mother like Pastor Brady. I mean, that's just really—it's kind of where I'm at. But <laughs> we were looking at uh, looking at this passage. And I just think there's probably nothing better for any of us, and maybe especially moms, than what we're going to see today because we're going to really see in Scripture how really the Lord wants to bring a greater rest into our, into our lives. And I, I think that's what... I think that's what moms need because moms are worn out and rightly so. But I think as a culture, we're, we're all tired. Would you agree with that? We can tend to be stressed out uh, as a culture. We can tend to be uh, exceedingly anxious, discouraged, depressed, all those things. And so what we're going to see in really Hebrews chapter 4 is how really as we trust the Lord more, we can move into a greater rest in our life and so i hope today you're encouraged i hope today god does something in your life that really changes kind of really every dynamic uh, in our life because as we, we think about uh, relationships, you know, relationships are probably damaged most by our unrest. I think about that as a father. The times that I've probably been uh, a poor dad, it's really been probably because I was operating out of a place of unrest, just maybe tired in my life or just some unsettled things in my life. And so that, that's an important thing. We'll, we'll, we'll press into that a little bit today. But the folks that live on the eastern coast of Africa that speak uh, the language uh, Swahili, they have a word for Americans. Some of you are like, oh, that's cool. It's really not. Well, you're gonna you're gonna see. The word that they have for Americans is manzugu. And manzugu means one who spins around. So that's what they see. This is just a lot of activity, but don't seem to really be going anywhere, and, and people that maybe have a hard time resting in, in, in many ways. And so today we're, we're just gonna really see that when we're not operating from a place of rest, or really the greater rest that the Lord can give us, it damages our relationships. Uh, it, it damages us emotionally. I, I read a survey this week, the difference between folks who work 11 hours a day versus those who work 8 hours a day. Those who work 11 hours uh, a day, according to this survey, are 250 times more likely to struggle with depression. So it affects us emotionally and it affects us physical, physically in, in, in so many ways. So before we get started, taking a look at Scripture and how we can step into a greater rest... I want us to look at two pictures. I'm going to pop two pictures up on the screen, and I want you to say which of these pictures kind of really sort of portrays your life more than the other. So so here we go. Here, here's the first picture, and this is your life. It's, it's tranquil, it's peaceful, quiet, just a calm lake. That's kind of your life. Or is your life more like, yeah, right? So think about that, especially moms on Mother's Day. Which one is kind of a better picture of you? I mean, if we're all honest, we're like, you know, I kind of, lean more toward the second, like to be more in the first, but how do we get there? Well, we're going to see some things from Scripture that will help us really step into a greater rest. Because Really, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. Uh, again, it's written to a group of first century Jewish Christians who, because of persecution and some difficulties they were facing in their faith, were thinking about just going back to their old ways. And so the writer of Hebrews is showing them the greatness of Jesus Christ. And in essence, he said, Why would you go back there when you have this? And one of the things that he's going to show them is the greater rest. That Jesus wants to bring into our life. So let, let's pick up in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. And I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad we have a few minutes to study Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 is an amazing chapter. I hope you're following along in the podcast. We certainly go a lot deeper uh, in the podcast. But here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promises of entering his rest still stand, now let, let's stop after that first sentence. You're like, oh boy, here we go. The word therefore, Nick did a great job uh, last week of dealing with this because anytime you see therefore in scripture, it is a reminder, it is a trigger as we're studying the Bible to go back and see what happens before so we can get some context. And so the reason that the therefore is here is the writer of Hebrews is, is calling us to go back to what he just talked about in Hebrews chapter 3. And that was this. And, and, and you can't really understand Hebrews. Hebrews is the, the book in the New Testament that really. Um, needs the greatest understanding probably of the Old Testament than any other book in the New Testament, so it just presumes a lot of things because the audience, the first audience was a Jewish audience, so they understood uh, the Old Testament quite well. So in chapter 3, what he's talking about, he's talking about this first generation of Jews after the Exodus, meaning after Moses, after the parting of the Red Sea, they left captivity in Egypt, and they were making their way to the promised land, the land of Canaan. The scripture says the land of milk and honey, and that was going to be their rest. The problem was a whole generation, everybody from age 20 that walked through the Red Sea, everybody 20 and up didn't get in. They didn't get in because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience. Most notably, what, what the, the author is talking about here is an incident that happened in Numbers chapter 13. It records the the incident. The children of Israel were very close to the promised land, and Moses sent 12 spies. If you maybe had the privilege of growing up in church, you remember that story. He spent, sent 12 spies into the promised land to see what it was like, and they were going to come back and report uh, to all the people. And so when they came back, 10 of the spies gave a very negative report. In other words, this was land that God had promised, key word, promised to give them. It was going to be their inheritance. It was going to be their rest. And they said, we can't go in. The people that live there, they're too big, they're too strong, the cities are too fortified. There's no way we can do that. Now, they totally forgotten what God said he was going to do and all the things that God had done to get them there, right? And so God, uh, in, in, in his anger at their unbelief and their disobedience, uh, refused to allow them in. In fact, it would be 40 years until that whole generation died out before the next generation was able to go in and enter that rest, all right? And so th- that's kind of what this story is built off of. So let's go back and look. At verse 1 again. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, in other words, just like uh, these Jews that left Egypt had a chance or promised rest, so do you today, and so do we. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. In other words, don't miss it, right? And I think there's, there's, there's so much that we talk about uh, in Christianity, that, that that is helpful, and we need to focus on. But one of the things, uh, as it relates to entering into rest, we don't really talk about that that very much, and so we're we're not. Uh so dialed in to what it's going to, to be like. Verse 2, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Of the 12 spies who went in, only two, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, yeah, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some big dudes there. There's some fortified cities, but our God's bigger. Let's go. Let's do this. And the rest of the people wanted to stone them and kill them. But you see, what, what was different about Joshua and Caleb than the other spies? Their faith, their obedience. They trusted God enough to obey and act. You see, and so here, here's what he's saying. He said, here's the problem. The problem is not that, that we haven't had good news preached to us, and that, that's certainly the way it is in our culture today. We've had We've had the message preached to us. The problem, the reason that we don't enter into rest is because we don't apply faith to that. In other words, trusting God enough to obey, even in the difficult times, and that's why we don't Uh, enter into that rest. Now, verse three, now we who have believed, in other words, trusted God, we who have believed, enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on an oath in my anger, again this is a going back to Psalms chapter 95 in Hebrews, there's a lot of Old Testament reference. They shall never enter my rest because of their unbelief. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world Verse 4, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day. In this words, I love, I love this. Here's the writer of Hebrews who's getting a chance to write Bible, and he can't remember where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible. He just says somewhere it says it in the Bible. It's Exodus chapter 20, but he can't, he can't remember. He says it's in there. I mean, trust me, it's in there. Somewhere he has said on the seventh day he rested from all of, all of his, his works. On the seventh day God rested from all of his works. Now, let, let, let's think about what he's saying there. He's saying a lot in verse 4, and we'll get to it uh, in, in, in just a few moments. But one of the things is we think about the Sabbath, they would have understood the Sabbath probably much more. Uh, differently than, than we do today. The Sabbath was the fourth of the Ten Commandments, or is the fourth of the Ten Commandments, right? And, and what does is, what is the fourth commandment say? It, say? it says to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days we labor, but on the seventh day we rest is unto the Lord. And so they would have understood that was a built-in rest for their life. But I would say about the, the Sabbath for us today, I think it's the most accepted sin in Christianity today. I really do. Like it's one of the top ten. Would you at least agree with me on that? right? It's in the top 10. But it's the most accepted sin in Christianity today. In fact, if you go to someone in your small group, right here in your small group, and um, yours, we used to be in a small group together. Uh, we're not anymore. But anyways, that's cool. You're still in one. That's good. Way to go. We're in a small group together. And so and he would just say, hey, Brady, how's your week? It's been great. Had a great week. I have uh, successfully uh, lifted a lot of merchandise from some of the top stores here in Murfreesboro all week. You're like, whoa. You know, like that would be stealing, and that's a big deal, right? I mean, at that, he would push into that and say, dude, you don't do that. Like, we, we, do, we, don't, we don't do that. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the top ten. Would you agree with that? That's not an accepted sin in the culture that we live in. Or, you know, if you ask me another question, How, how's your week been? Well, it's been good. I mean, the, the top five most difficult people in my life, I just knocked them off. I mean, they're, they're gone. Just took care of them. Well, we would say, Look, you don't do that, right? We don't, we don't kill people. That's one of the top top ten. You don't, don't murder. The Scripture's pretty clear on that. On stealing and murder, the Scripture's pretty clear, right? Yeah, I was waiting for an answer. I hope, man. If not, this is get crazy. I'm out of here. Yeah, we would say that. But like, remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, not so much. I never will forget. I I went and um, I preached at a, a several times or taught at a corporation in in Nashville, a large corporation. They had all their employees in once a week, which is an amazing thing. Brought different people in to speak, and and I was invited to come several times, kind of in a row. Got on a little rhythm there, and then the, the last time I got to come. Um, The last time I haven't been back since then. Um, I taught on Sabbath, like how important it was for all of us just to just to honor, remember the Sabbath, and just have a daily Sabbath where we just shut it down and rest as unto the Lord. And and I, I remember the owner of the business he got up and really poked fun at my talk. It was awkward right? And, and in essence, it was just like this laughable principle that an American, right, a manzungu, that, that we would actually take one day and really rest is unto the Lord. That's just this laughable concept, right? It's true. Nonetheless, it's, it's biblical, right? So let's talk about this. How do we step in a great, into a greater rest? Because if you're like me, your life looks more like the second picture, right? The waves crashing in. I want my life to look more like the first picture. Anybody here with me? Like, yeah, I think all of us would say, it, if there is a greater rest, I'll take some of that. How do we step into that? Well, I think there's a couple things we can see from this passage that can be super helpful. Here's the first one. The source of greater rest is Christ. If you want a greater rest, you have to understand where the, where the source is, right? The source of greater rest is Christ. And so Jesus says it, says it this way. This is an amazing passage, Matthew 11:28. 28. I love this verse. Jesus says, come all to me who are weary and heavy burdened. Has that ever been you? you tired and burdened? Yeah, right? Come unto me, every one of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you What? Rest, I'll give you rest. The word there can be translated shalom. It means it can mean peace. It, it can mean exemption from the rage and havoc of this emotional turmoil that, that you're in. I'll give you rest. So here's the point. Jesus is the source of rest, and we might sit here today and say, amen. We just don't live that way, right, because we're just a nap away from feeling better, right, or a vacation away. Um, Friday, Amy and I went. We went hiking. We went and kind of spent a day and, and went hiking with this really cool place and had box lunch and and um, there was two trails to hike and so we hiked one and then I noticed they had a, a grove of trees and they had uh, hammocks I'm like let's try the hammocks and she said well, we got another trail there's two trails I said I'm gonna try a hammock and so she sat down in her hammock and was reading and. I laid down in my hammock and I, I just remember asking this question, Are you asleep? I sort of heard, like, are you asleep over there? Like, you know the answer to that question, don't you? Whenever you ask that question, you obviously know the answer. And I he said, Yeah, right? And and, and 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 I was, and it was it was great, you know. But but that's not what rest is. It's not that that's a good thing. It is a part of rest, but it is so much more than that. Sometimes when we talk think about rest, and I think that's where the business owner was. We think, really, rest is just laziness. Well, it's just not. It's not. Rest is living with supreme confidence in the supremacy of Christ. That's what it is. It's living with the supreme confidence in the supremacy of, of Christ. Rest is this. It's both the calming of the storms that are raging in our soul, and it's also the ability to claim our inheritance as children of God. That's what this word rest means, which is so amazing, and that's why Hebrews chapter 4 is so cool. It's really saying that the, the children of Israel had a chance to move into the promised land and claim their inheritance. I mean, they were going to go into this land, and they were going to be able to drink wine from vineyards that they didn't plant as a gift of God's grace. They were going to be able to live in houses and cities that they didn't build. They were going to get a chance to claim their inheritance, what was theirs. That's a part of what rest is. Here's what rest is for you. It is the ability that, that God wants to give you to claim what is yours as a follower of Christ. And don't you want it? I do, there's more, and I want it, but the question is, how? Jesus is the source, he's the source of rest, what does that mean? Well, part of what it means is he is my righteousness. So to say that Jesus is my righteousness is my righteousness is not based on my activity and what I've done or what I haven't done. It's not based on my performance. It's based on the righteousness of Christ. That's good. Like if my righteousness is just based on my performance, I have anxiety and I'm worn out, right? But to say that my righteousness comes from his, that's good. My identity is not in what I do, but it's in whose I am. Jesus is the source of rest. His word, his living word, right, has answers for every question uh, in, in my life. It's in the word. You have this in your notes. It's in the word of God, this living word that we find the solutions to life that, that God has laid out from the very beginning of the world. And we're going to see this, but in case you, you check out before the message is over, there's not a problem that you're facing right now in your life that is causing you anxiety, that God doesn't have a solution for that. And he wants us to rest in that. I never will forget reading a, a story about... Um, some folks that were feeding bears in Yellowstone National Park. It's a big no-no. Right? That, that's not something I've pushed the envelope on in my life, right? You know, like, I'm not really into that because that seems dangerous, right? But fo- folks do that. And, and so a park ranger was, and we were out there several years ago. It's a beautiful place, amazing place. But a park ranger was asked, why do people feed the bears when clearly there's enough signs and there's enough evidence that that, that could be dangerous? Why do they do that? And, and the ranger said something that's pretty interesting. You know what he said? He said, because they've never been here in the winter, And to that, I'm like, what do you mean? He said, they've never had to drag an emaciated bear carcass out of this park that forgot how to feed himself because people were feeding him. And I think that's where we are in the church today. We don't know how to feed ourselves. We've forgotten how to feed ourselves. And we're emaciated and we're worn out and we're exhausted. Jesus is the source of true rest. Orient your life around him, and you'll find rest for your weary soul. Here it is. If you're not experiencing rest in your life, the first problem is you haven't made Jesus in some way, shape, fashion, or form your source. You're trying to draw life from something else, and it will never, ever work. Number two, greater rest is absolutely necessary for spiritual perseverance. that That's really the point of the book of Hebrews is Hebrews is a book that is calling us to persevere in our faith. And don't we need to hear that today? I mean, aren't there challenges in your... I'm having a hard time interacting with you guys. Aren't there challenges? I mean, it's difficult to follow Christ. It was difficult in this first century Jewish culture when when many people that didn't convert to Christianity wouldn't do business with you because you were now a follower of, of Jesus and the Romans couldn't stand you because you had some God other than Caesar. Life was tough and they wanted to go back. And so Hebrews is a book that is calling them to persevere in their faith. And I'm telling you, it is a clarion call for the church today to persevere in our faith, but you will never persevere in your faith without really establishing some healthy rhythms of rest, right? Gerthard, I can't say his name, Von Rad, which is a cool name, by the way. In 1933, he said this, and it's a kind of a difficult quote, but I love it. He said, among the many benefits of redemption offered to man by Holy Scripture, that of rest has been almost overlooked in biblical theology. I think he's right. There's a lot of things that we could talk about and do talk about in the church, but this idea of entering into rest, it seems like we almost overlook it. But if you play music, if you're a musician, You know about rest because when you see a piece of sheet music, what is built in are rests. Rests are built into that piece of music. And when you see musicians, please help me stand up and unite. When you see a rest in the music, what does that mean? Stop, right? That was a little girl in the back. She got it. Stop. You don't play music during the rest. Would we all agree with that? You don't play music during the rest. But without the rests, there is no music, you see? And isn't that true for the melody of our life, right? There are some just God-ordained stops, right? Stops, and you don't play through the stops because if you play through the stops, ultimately you won't have any music, you see? And the Sabbath is one of those. To to, to be honest, just going to, to sleep every night, is one of them. Like, I, 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 it's almost like staying up to 2 in the morning is like a badge of honor in our, in our culture, and I, I hadn't slept in a week. I'm like, I'm afraid of you, <laughs> right? And I get it, like, but, but, but at some point, what, you know, when we lay, you know, every night when I lie, lie down, there is unfinished work in my life still, right? I didn't get everything done, but really laying down for me is to say, God, I've done what I can do today, and I'm trusting you to do what I can't do. And I just, it's just a rest in that. It's just a rhythm of rest we have to build into, in, into our, our life, right? Because people disagree with this, and I'm just going to say this, and it creates a firestorm. If you don't take the God-given rest that are built into life, I think many times what happens is we're forced to rest through some really difficult circumstances and situations right? I hear this sometimes. You know, Pastor Brady, it was the diagnosis, it was being downsized, it was COVID or whatever, and it saved my marriage. I began to be a dad for the first time. I finally paused long enough to really spend time with the Lord, you see? So you'll either develop this rhythm of rest that God has laid out or if we're not careful, we're, we're forced to take the hard knock rest that God sends. But here's, the, here's the, the amazing thing. Learning to rest in Jesus is really what supplies the strength for us to thrive. That's really the point of Sabbath. The point of Sabbath is this. God is saying, I can accomplish more in the six days than you can do in the seven. Do you believe that? Because most of the church doesn't. Like, I got an email last time I preached on a topic similar. I got an email from a guy. He's a hard charger. Man, I love him. He's probably here today, and he'll email me again, which is cool. I'll say the same thing. He's like, man, I live in the real world, and, and yeah, I, I get coming up and getting, getting together and, and uh, you know, grabbing some time on Sunday morning and worshiping. But, but in the real world, if I don't get it going on Sunday afternoon and get my schedule lined out for the week and start making all kinds of connections and getting things going, it's a, it doesn't happen in the real world. Well, this real world that you talk about, who created that? The God who gives us his word to orient our life is the same God who spoke all of creation into existence, right? You either trust him or you don't. You see, in essence, boy, this will not go over well. It's the final message of the weekend, so let's just let it fly. (laughs) When we say things like that, when we just push through the rest that God has for us, you know what we're really saying we're really showing we have an inflated view of ourselves, aren't we, and a deflated view of God. We're really saying, I'm way too important. This thing can't keep spinning without me. That's pretty dangerous, isn't it? It's a pretty dangerous place to be. Isaiah 30, 15. Listen to this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But listen to this last line, but you will have none of it right? You just won't hear that. This is such a tough lesson to learn, and that's why we are Manzu We're just spinners with no rest. True rest is, is, is not merely inactivity. I, I think that's why so many of us push back at rest because we think it's laziness. It's not. True rest is not merely inactivity, but is a posture that really positions us for a powerful movement of God activity in our life. You see that? That's what's taking place. Let's look at number three, just just quickly. How do we step into greater rest? This is super important. You guys okay? Right. Some of you are slipping into rest right now, which shows you're serious about the word. Greater rest comes when we quit working for our salvation. This is what exhausts the church probably as much as anything, right? exhaust the church more than anything, is we're still working for our salvation. Hebrews 4.10, for anyone who enters God's rest, also rest from their work. This is a part of what Sabbath rest is. Sabbath rest for us today spiritually is understanding that the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sin debt was sufficient work and we rest in it. So we're not just anxious, we're not worried, we're not performing, 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 hoping that we've done enough for God to be pleased with us. You see, if you're a self Self-reliant person, you'll never enter into God-given rest. You see, let me say this, this is a very difficult theological thing. I'm going to say it, and I want you to to, to, to wrestle with it for a moment because this is where so much confusion exists. We strive in our salvation but we do not work for our salvation. Those are two distinctively different things, right? We strive in our salvation, but we don't work for our salvation. The work has been done. The work of our salvation is a grace gift given to us fully by the completed work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. But when we have received that, then we strive to be all that God has us to be. Listen, being here today as a follower of Christ to get your family, to get everybody dressed on on Mother's Day and be here to worship, that took some striving, didn't it? To be being in, being in the Word tomorrow morning, getting up early, getting to Scripture takes some striving. Gathering with a group of believers throughout the week to, to really talk about what's going on in your heart and your soul and to dig deeper in your faith, that takes some striving, right? We strive in our salvation, but we don't work for our, for our salvation. A buddy of mine uh, in January gave me a boat. It's a great boat. It's a killer boat. I'm telling you this because I've had some criticism. It's a nice boat. Um, it's a used boat. He got a new boat, and he gave me his older boat, which is nicer than my boat. But anyways, it's really nice. And so I, I you know, I the boat around town. So I said, "Well, we must be paying you too much." Didn't pay me anything for this boat. It was a truck that you paid me for that I bought. That was, but not the boat. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, he gave me the boat, and, and 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 this nice boat, great fishing boat. But I couldn't take the boat to the to, couldn't take the boat yet to the lake. It wasn't registered. It's very hard to register a boat that's been given to you. I don't know if you've ever tried that because when you go to the registrar's office and you try to, I'm going to register this boat in my name, well, they say, well, I need a bill of sale. I said, I don't have a bill of sale. They said, what do you mean you don't have a bill of sale? I said, somebody gave me this boat. They look at you like you've stolen the boat, right? They're like, yeah, like you stole that, didn't you? Honestly, I didn't. I had to call my buddy. You know, I didn't, I, I even called, I don't use the preacher card much. I said, I'm a pastor. I'm over here at New Vision. They still said, no dice. You stole it. It was hard. So, it took, I mean, it was some striving to get the thing registered, and, and so it's registered now if you're in law enforcement. It's, it's registered. We got, that, we got that done. And then, doggone it, I went to the lake. It didn't have any gas. If you're got, listen, if you ever give somebody a boat, fill it up. <laughs> Seriously, right? I mean, do it. Let's do it right. You don't want to be half-stepping with this deal. And so I get to the lake. It's empty. I got I to gotta fill the thing up. Right? And then, he, and then he sends me a text. like, yeah, I, it's, it, you you got to put oil in it. To two, it takes a two-stroke. If it runs out, it's a big, all kinds of stuff. What's well, the point? Before that boat's ready to take off across the water, there's some things that have got to be done every single time. You see, you don't work for your salvation, but we strive in our salvation, right, to experience the fullness of, of Christ. But here, here's, here's the problem. In Christianity, you'll see two types of people. There is works-based faith, there are the people that are working to earn something from God, and there are those that are about faith-based works. And you say, well, how can you tell the difference? Their countenance. It'll always give them away every single time. Somebody is working for something from God has no joy and no excitement. Somebody who has received something from God and now is striving to live for Him is a whole different countenance. So here's the point. If you want to step into greater rest, at some point you have to quit working for your salvation and resting in the fact that the work that Jesus Christ did was sufficient. Watch this, Hebrews one 3 i I'm going fast because I want you to see this, and I've got two more quick points. Can you hang in there? The last service they couldn't right? Hebrews 1, 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, when was that? That was on the cross. What did he do? He set down, which means completed action. What were the priests doing in the old system and still today standing, standing, standing? because what were they doing? offering sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. So it was work, 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 work. Jesus the ultimate high priest, he offers once, once for all and then sets down, right? That's amazing, isn't it? Look what Paul says in Ephesians 2:6 it gets it gets even better. He says, and God raised us up with Christ, meaning when we trusted in the work of Jesus Christ, we were raised up into a new relationship, a new identity, adopted as a son or daughter of the king. And God raised us up with Christ and, yeah, yeah, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When you understand that, the thunder rose on cue. It's earth-shattering, isn't it? You have been seated with him in Christ. And a person that is seated is not what? They're not working. They are resting. Resting in this new identity that Jesus has brought about for them. That was such a rule-changer for me because I was exhausted. You see, I was exhausted. And it allowed me to step into a greater rest. Number four, unbelief always destroys true rest. This is the heart of what the writer of Hebrews is saying, specifically with this generation that left Egypt under Moses' leadership, Red Sea parts, manna in the wilderness, but they never got in. Isn't that sad? None of them. They never got in. Everyone 20 years or older didn't get in. Why? Why? Verse 16 of chapter 3 tells us, Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? They had a good start, but a good start doesn't guarantee a great finish. Look at Hebrews 3.19. So when they were not able to enter in, so we see they were not able to enter in because of their unbelief. Now, there's a difference between unbelief and doubt. Will a Christian experience doubt in their life? Sure. Christian will experience doubt in their life. John the Baptist, even at the very end, experiences a measure of doubt. Unbelief is different. Unbelief is this willful rejection, really, of of his will and his way. Watch this. Unbelief starts with a struggle with sin. It moves to defending our sin and ends up with us setting up camp in our sin. You see that? Struggle, defend, not just set up camp in it. And here's how you know you're beginning to walk in unbelief. And why is this so important? Because if there's any area of unbelief in my life, it is going to keep me from the rest, right? The rest, the greater rest that God has for me. Unbelief, uh, I'm walking in unbelief when I decide God's ways won't work. That's really what we say when we push through a Sabbath, isn't it? It doesn't work, right? Or number two, we're walking in unbelief when we think God's ways are illogical. That just doesn't make sense. Right? And i only obey what makes sense. You're smarter with, than God good for you. Right? Are we fear missing out? Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students. Like, I mean, that's you. I don't want to miss out. Like, to, to follow God means I'm missing out and you're right. You're right. You follow him, you're going to miss out on a ton. You're going to miss out on a ton of guilt. and You're going to miss out on a ton of shame. You're going to miss out on a ton of anxiety, and a ton of discouragement. You're right about that. We're walking in unbelief when we suffer from spiritual amnesia, when we just forget about the goodness of God in our life in the past. I mean, the same group that wouldn't go in and take possession of their inheritance was the same group that walked on dry land through the Red Sea, right? And we forget that. Last thing, and then we'll be done. And I know what you say or what you're thinking, yes. I have, to, I have to say this. What we're about to say for the next two minutes I think is, is so super important, and I believe it's going to help somebody because it's where I'm living my life right now. I have unfinished stuff in my life right now. I have some chaos in my life right now. And my bet is every single person in this room has a storm cloud somewhere. I mean, truthfully, it's Mother's Day. But to be honest, for some of you in this room, it's one of the hardest days in the year, A, because she's gone, or B, because she never really was there. you think of her, you think of discouragement and disappointment, and you see everybody smiling around, but that's a storm, and it's unfinished. See, here it is. If you want a greater rest emotionally, here's how you step into a greater rest. Living from victory equals greater rest. What do I mean by that? Living from victory equals greater rest. What do I mean by that? Well, it's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to us in verse 4. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to pull out is he's differentiating the seventh day from every other day in creation of all six days. Because of all the other six days in creation, whenever what was created was made, it ended talking about that by saying "And there was morning and evening the first day. There was morning and evening the second day. But it stops with the seventh day and doesn't have that. Why? Because God is ruling from a place of rest. Victory is settled. It's not uncertain. God is ruling from a place of victory. You as a believer can live from a place of victory. God at rest means this. Listen, God at rest, and this is so hard for us to get our mind around because we're, our understanding is so clouded by the current storms of our circumstances. Do you see that? This makes it so hard. God at rest means he isn't reacting, but he's ruling. Think about this for a second. Dig in for 30 seconds. Dig in. What, what? Maybe the greatest crisis ever in the history of the world was when man rebelled against God in the garden. Can you think of a bigger one than that? Just off the top of my head. that's. a bit. But did that spin God out, and now he goes into reaction mode? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He already had a plan in Christ, right, before the foundations of the world. Right, The Savior is there with his plan to come and redeem mankind. So what does that mean? I'm going to share a quote with you that through the years everybody has shared from great theologians to musicians like John Lennon. I think it's the believer can truly say this. If it's not okay, then it's not the end because in the end it will be okay. There's a lot of things in your life right now that are not okay, but can I tell you something? It's not the end because in the end it's going to be okay because our God is a redeemer and he redeems all things. Rest comes. Rest comes when we realize there is already a God-given solution to the current situation that you're in. That's where rest comes. And some of you say, "Well, listen, I I, I don't believe that, and I I don't think that everything's just going to work out perfectly in this life. Well, go ahead and read Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. It didn't, didn't all work out perfectly for them, but in the end it did because they stepped into their true rest in the kingdom, right? Think what this means for you. Think with me what this means for you. In any circumstance and situation that you are facing right now, just put it up there in your mind. Would you just put it up on the screen of your mind? A broken relationship, that's forefront. A rebellious child, a dreadful diagnosis, an overarching fear. Put it up on the screen. But let me tell you what stepping into his rest means. That in any circumstance and situation that you are currently facing, God has already in his sovereignty worked out the solution. So it means you can rest in the midst of the storm. doesn't mean he isn't going to cause you to, to strive and to repent of some things and do some work. But I can rest in the midst of it. I don't have to fix everyone. Does that help you? You don't have to fix every broken person in your life, right? Some of you, you've got a son or daughter. They're 35. You're still trying to fix them, right? There's a better fixer than you. Rest in him. Can I just tell you, this is helping me so, so much with the unfinished things in my life right now that really drained me of so much of my energy in my life. It's just resting in the fact that our God's a redeemer. And his story of victory is going to play out. Hebrews 4.1, let's close with this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... All across this room, we're all standing right at the edge of a greater level of rest. For some of you, it's resting in the sufficiency of Christ for the first time to step into your salvation. For others, it's just some emotional rest in your life. For some of you, as a believer, it's just stepping into some physical rest. You've just been playing through the rest that God has in the melody of your life. We're all so close. But don't fall back through unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. What is the greater rest that God has for you? Would you trust him in it? Would you trust him in it? Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you are the source of all rest. God, thank you that we'll never be able to persevere without rest. Lord, thank you that we can rest from our works. We don't have to work for our standing with you. We rest in the work of Christ. God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, show us areas of unbelief that are keeping us from entering into greater rest. And God, for the storms that are present in our life right now, Teach us to rest in the fact that you're not reacting. You're still ruling. And if it's not okay right now, it's not the end. Because in the end, it will be okay because of who you are and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.